God has really blessed me. You know, he let me work in DC, let me work with EIB and Hollywood and Silicon Valley. And he's shown me through all those experiences that there is one problem and one solution, and that's why we do this show. Welcome to A Disciple's View with Todd Herman. When the God of the universe created the world, he didn't snap his fingers or wink his eye. The Lord spoke. He said, let there be light. And because we believe, we speak about the happenings in this world, as we remain mindful that our true home is with Jesus Christ in his kingdom, Welcome to A Disciple's View. I'm Todd Herman. I want to pause and uh, <clears throat> offer prayer for the people who witnessed what went on today uh, at the church. Just a, another church, another attack, and another person apparently gender confused, defiant, denying, or perhaps truly, truly in pain, probably all of that. I want to just pray for the congregation that had to witness that. <clears throat> Prayers of praise that more people weren't killed. Obviously praying for the five-year-old child uh, taken in by this woman and pray that finally people begin to notice a pattern. And it's a very predictable pattern if you understand human biology or choose to. In the Colorado Springs shooting, that person pretended to be non-binary, neither male nor female. The Nashville school attack using a gun, that person pretended to be a boy, a man, was really a woman. Aberdeen, the same. Gender defiant, gender denying. Denver school, the same. Gender defiant or denying. Iowa school, person identified as so-called trans, which doesn't exist. Gender fluid, which also doesn't exist. And now the Lakewood incident. Apparently, if you look at the images of this alleged, well, attempted murderer, you see images of a woman becoming more and more forlorn-looking, more and more damaged, more and more beaten down. You see the name change to Jeffrey, and you see then a broadened face, a broadened chin, the signs it would be of someone who's being shot up with testosterone, a woman being shot up with testosterone. Testosterone in women in high amounts leads to aggression. Testosterone in men in artificially high counts can do the same. High levels of estrogen in men cause high levels of aggression. Why wouldn't it? Doesn't belong in the human body in those ways at all. So if you were to go through a chain of events, we'd have to start somewhere before this person decided to take a rifle and put on it the words free Palestine and then go attempt to murder a bunch of people, apparently taking a child in as a kitty shield. That's a technique familiar to Hamas, taught by Hamas. In Palestine, if that's what you choose to call the Hamas territory, you would be murdered for being a woman pretending to be a man or a man pretending to be a woman. You'd be murdered for that, for practicing same-sex attraction. This is a confused mind. And the media is wanting us to believe there's an actual binary here. Was this person a leftist activist or a confused mind? How about both? A chain of events, a likely chain of events goes something like this. This young woman had no functional parental figures, no grounding in God. 
no one in her life walking with the Lord or walking her through that. This is likely. I don't know this to be the case. Why am I saying it's likely? Because these cases are easy to profile. Because in about 90% of cases where a young woman decides to take on a male identity, about 90% of those young women were sexually assaulted or molested, raped as a child, beaten, discarded. If you look at the pictures of this shooter, this um, attempted murderer, you'll see the story on her face of abuse. And she went in to attempt to murder people, innocent people. She should pay for that. Obviously, she has. Her life is gone because someone stepped in to save the lives of others. But the likely chain of events happens all the time. Where young women go into veritable hiding behind the mask of, of maledom, behind the mask of being a boy. I know of a case when my family and I were in the um, adolescent and teen mental health nightmare that God used us to uh, equip us so that we can speak to his glory about things can get better. When God intervenes, things do get better. And when you welcome God to intervene, they can get better quickly. Although on his timing, not ours. I talked to a parent whose daughter was in a uh, residential care facility like our daughter. And she was in there because she'd been sexually assaulted and it had, in fact, changed who she was, changed her behaviors. She'd been a very active skier and competitive skier, cheerleader, feminine all the way through until she was about 12, at which point she announced, I'm a boy and I always have been. Her parents thought that was just a phase. And then she began to seek out ways to become a boy which can't happen, but the illusion can. That wasn't why they put her in treatment. They thought they could handle that at home with therapy. They put her in treatment because she continued to try to kill herself. She couldn't speak about what had been done to her on a ski trip. And what had been done to her is, in fact, in fact, nearly unspeakable. But it happened at the hands of an older male teammate and with the full knowledge of a male coach betrayal they didn't learn about that until far into treatment and so these suicide attempts were attempts to force her parents to give her male skin so she would never again be a victim I'm looking at the pictures of this woman who was killed in the church after she tried to murder innocents, and I see nothing but sadness and abuse and abandonment and desperation. I'm not absolving her of what she tried to do. There's a five-year-old child fighting for life, not absolving it at all. Jesus has already judged, not my job. But the likely chain of events, this young woman probably went through that, something like it. In the case of the parents that we met, the accusations from family members were swift. Accusations against the mom and dad. You're sending your daughter? You're locking her up because she's celebrating her true self? It's occurred to her at the age of 12 that she was born in the wrong body and you're not going to celebrate that? 
Instead, you're locking her away for conversion therapy? In fact, say again, the parents did not put her in there to have her so-called trans identity dealt with. They were hoping to figure out why all of a sudden that identity became the most important thing in her life. They were hoping for that. In fact, the treatment facility said, we're happy to discuss this with her. We're happy to work on it with her. It's a delusion. It's a psychosis. But this cannot be our primary focus. Our primary focus has to be getting to her, her to a point where she's going to stop trying to kill herself. That has to be the focus. And the parents agreed, of course, that has to be the focus. Well, in therapy, once the girl found out she was not going to leave until she made some effort to participate in changing, she finally confessed what happened on the ski trip, an out-of-state ski trip with an adult the parents had trusted over a period of three years. Well, the adult knew what happened, knew what the male teammate had done to the girl because she told him in a state of tears. He made the insane decision to do what this damaged 12-year-old girl demanded. Don't tell. Don't tell. Eventually, he would face charges because that's a must-report situation. You have to tell. But she was so desperate. I don't want people to know. Just kick him off the team. And so they did kick him off the team so he could join another team. Betrayal. And so she sought male skin. Now, she didn't draw that together. That wasn't her conclusion. Her conclusion is, well, I don't like sexual activity with boys and I know I'm not attracted to girls, so I must be a boy. So as they continued to work through this, they continued to hear more and more pieces unfold. My mom has always just followed what my dad says. My mom is passive. My dad is active. I want to be active. That was her perception of the marriage. As they worked through family counseling, she learned, no, that's not the case. Mom simply doesn't argue with dad in front of you. Oh, she has stood her ground. As they've met with, as parents behind closed doors to come to a decision to be a unified parental group, that was a mind blower for her. You argue with dad? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but not in front of you. Because we're a unified front. It wasn't until the last day in that residential facility, after it had been determined that that girl could leave, some facilities call it graduation, others call it exit, some of it call it being secured. When she was leaving, two therapists came out who'd worked with her and said, hey, you're free to leave, but would you come back in for a moment, just for one last session? Would you do that? It'd be completely your choice. We're not making you. After all, you're, you're secured. You can go home. And she consulted her parents and her older brothers, and they said, we'll be fine. So she went back in to the care facility, the treatment facility, this time as a free person, able to walk out whenever she wanted. If the topic raised wasn't to her liking, she could leave. She didn't. She sat down. And they did something called parts therapy. 
parts therapy. When a child is sexually assaulted at a certain age, they're frozen in development. They can't move forward. And it shatters themselves. And instead of being a wholly integrated person, a daughter, a skier, a daughter of the king, a friend, a sister, an artist, all these things that make them up, they become one thing, victim. And so in this parts therapy, what they do is they take cards or images or dolls or anything that represents these pieces of self. Here is myself as daughter. Here is myself as sister. Here is myself as friend. Here is myself as skier, as cheerleader, as boy. And the therapist said to the girl, you know, one card you've never placed. They create a hierarchy of cards, the parts of selves that were made up by many, many different factors with which God gifts us. One thing you've never talked about is where the boy card goes. She moved the boy card to the very top. And then one of the therapists asked her, what's his role? He protects the others from being seen. He is there to make sure the others are never seen and therefore never harmed. I'm not absolving the Lakewood attempted murderer from what she tried to do and what happened to this child. I'm asking us to think of the pain being caused in a society that has taken a psychosis and made it into a virtue, that has taken a lie, you can be a boy, and turned it into something that people expect to have solve all the pain to make the pain go away because it can't do that in a society that is deciding in an increasing basis to be godless these people don't have the holy spirit to whom they can turn but they have us the lord jesus didn't say hey if you guys get around to it go and make disciples of all nations the lord jesus said go and make disciples of all nations in his name in the name of the holy spirit the father teaching them that he is the Savior and to obey all that he commands. We'll come back on A Disciple's View. I'm Todd Herman. Back to Disciples View, I'm Todd Herman. Continue, please, to pray for the child who was harmed in this uh, attempted murder in the Lakewood Church and for the congregation who had to live through that. There's still news uh, for us to consider, and one of them is um, magic words. Does it sound like news? Is that a weird phrase? Uh, I refer to magic words in our society that are used to cause magic outcomes, One of the magic outcomes is to have people ignore the obvious. Justice is a magic word in our society. It really is. It doesn't mean much anymore when you're talking about the Department of Justice, and it's sad. It guts me. When I lived in Washington, D.C., when I first moved there for about a year and a half, I was on the, uh, this is when I was still a Republican. I'm now a um, Christian conservative 
and a constitutional populist. Lots of words. I can explain that one day if you like. When I was in Washington, D.C. and had first moved there, I would jog past the Department of Justice in the morning, sometimes the FBI, and, and I would think of it as a lot of us do. A lot of people in there protecting us and, and enforcing the law, and there are people like that. I'm blessed to have uh, amassed over the eight to ten years I've done radio, eight, eight years, I guess. I've been blessed to amass a number of listeners to my radio programs and my podcasts who are, well, FBI cops. That's what they think of themselves as, law enforcement. I've got some friends who are DOJ. I've got some sources who are DOJ judges, immigration judges. They see what's happening. They see that when a Department of Justice does what it just did this past weekend, which is find ways to say we're not going to prosecute Joe Biden for illegally having classified documents. And they create a series of excuses such as he's old and senile, therefore cannot be prosecuted for doing what he did when he was not senile. And there's no evidence to show that he knew he had these documents. Well, other than his own confession that he had them. Other than the fact that he openly shared them with people, there's no evidence. The Department of Justice making sure that we understand there's a clear, clear difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. In those cases, we need to go through that because justice shouldn't be a magic word. It should mean something. We either have laws or we don't. It's either illegal for non-presidents who haven't declassified material to take it or it's not. The Department of Justice goes to real long effort to make sure we know, oh, this is all very normal. It's very, very normal for people to take classified documents, which is illegal, but we don't prosecute that except in one case. And that's effectively what they said. The White House, of course, was quick to get people out to speak to this. Ian Sims is a backup spokeslier for the White House, and his specialty, it seems, is gaslighting the naive. The decision was that there was no case to be made. In that reality, we also need to talk about the environment that we are in. For the past few years, Republicans in Congress and elsewhere have been attacking prosecutors who aren't doing what Republicans want politically. They have made up claims of a two-tiered system of justice between Republicans and Democrats. They have denigrated the rule of law for political purposes. That reality creates a ton of pressure. And in that pressurized political environment, when the inevitable conclusion is that the facts and the evidence don't support any charges, you're left to wonder why this report spends time making gratuitous and inappropriate criticisms of the president. Gratuitous and inappropriate. He's talking there about the fact that the special prosecutor, Mr. Herr, pointed out that a jury would probably not convict Joe Biden in his eyes because Joe Biden is a doddering old man with a faulty memory. He's, in other words, senile and in a steep state of cognitive decline, and therefore a sympathetic figure. I mean, after all, he can't remember where his son Bo died, and he can't. But he's running the country with a firm hand and a crisp grasp of the facts. 
He's hard to keep up with intellectually, is what people will say, such as the deeply compromised General Miley, who saw fit to let the Chinese Communist Party generals know that if the civilian chief, the elected president of the United States, determined that he needed to launch an attack, General Miley said to this Chinese counterparts, don't worry, I'll give you warning. That way you can better defend your country and better kill Americans. But General Miley says, no, Biden is crisp, intellectually bright. Not all people in their mid-80s suffer the way Joe Biden does, but he does. Further, the pretense that Ian Sims makes that there's not two-tier justice, Hunter Biden walks free. People who stepped foot into the Capitol for five minutes after being welcomed in through open doors are not walking free. They're being pursued to the ends of the earth. In terms of the insufficient evidence, Ian Sims said there's just no case to be made. Yeah, that's what the Department of Justice said. There's insufficient evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Mr. Biden intentionally retained the classified documents in the eyes-only envelope after his term as vice president or caused his staff to do. And what they say is, well, he might have needed these. He might have thought that he'd need them later. Oh, is that why it says in the national security laws, unless you think you might need them later? That's not what it says. There's also the fact that even CNN is calling out the series of lies that Biden told, and by extension then, the Department of Justice told. So in other words, we can rejoice because good news for America, not all reporters are willing to play pretend. I'll have more on that soon. 2017 that he had classified material downstairs. He boasted about it. He boasted about having classified materials, says a reporter, and then is ignored by Ian Sims, the junior varsity spokeslier for the White House. That phrase, spokeslier, I think about these phrases. I do not want to bear false witness. I want to speak clearly. Spokesperson has become a magic word. Well, they're speaking for the president. No, they're lying on an almost continual basis. Pages 9 and 10 of the special counsel report on figurehead Biden says this. And interestingly, it has typos in it. They misspell his name. They replace the B with an E, Iden. We also considered with, uh, whether Mr. Iden willfully disclosed national defense information to his ghostwriter by reading aloud certain classified notebook passages to the ghostwriter nearly verbatim on at least three occasions. Mr. Iden should have known that by reading his unfiltered notes about classified meetings in the Situation Room, he risked sharing classified information with his ghostwriter. But the evidence does not show that when Mr. Biden shared the specific passages with his ghostwriter, Mr. Biden knew that the passages were classified and intended to share classified information. Mr. Biden's lapses in attention and vigilance demonstrate why former officials should not keep classified materials unsecured at home and read them aloud to others. But jurors could well conclude that Mr. Biden's actions were unintentional. We therefore declined to charge Mr. Iden for disclosure of these passages to his ghostwriter. There they say it. He shared classified information with his ghostwriter, but maybe he didn't know. The law doesn't say unless you didn't know. He bragged about it. And in fact, it turns out that CNN's people may have been allowed to finally go after figurehead Biden. All the stuff that was in my home was in filing cabinets that were either locked or able to be locked. 
just not true, John. Uh, this report from the special counsel includes photos. Those photos include shots of a box uh, just sitting in President Biden's Delaware garage. The special counsel described it as a badly damaged box sitting amid household detritus. So there was some material that was in cabinets, uh, locked or lockable, as the president said. None of it was high classified. Didn't have any of that red stuff on it. You know what I mean? Around the corners. None of that. That claim that he didn't have any material that was quote-unquote high classified is also not true, John. The special counsel's report says that the president possessed multiple highly classified documents that were indeed marked as being highly classified documents, including some marked as top secret slash SCI, sensitive compartmented information. That is a very high level of classification. So... To keep track, you now have CNN actually fact-checking figurehead Biden and actually pointing out that the DOJ, that magic word in this case, justice, did not tell the truth. Now, they get to some excuses for Biden again, and then they get to the important part that we need to understand that this case between he and President Trump couldn't be more different. You listen to the way they say this, and it's clever but unpersuasive. Let's start, though, with this. CNN's legal analyst, Ellie Honig, stated the obvious. Joe Biden absolutely knew he had the stolen classified documents. International affairs, to war plans, to foreign relations. He knew it. He knew it. He's on tape after he's out of the vice presidency saying to his autobiographer, the classified documents are in the basement. He knew it. So he said it, he bragged about it, he's on tape doing it, but the Department of, what was that word? Justice? Said there's no evidence that he knew it, except for the fact that he knew it, and said he knew it, and bragged about knowing it. Pages 10 and 11 of the special counsel report, historically after leaving office, Many former presidents and vice presidents have knowingly taken home sensitive materials related to national security from their administrations without being charged with crimes. Pause. Why? Oh, that's just the way it is. Oh, I see. But if I did it, well, yeah, you'd go to prison. Got it. Back to the report. This historical record is important context for judging whether and why to charge a former vice president and former president as Mr. Biden would be when susceptible to prosecution for similar actions taken by several of his predecessors. With what exception, they write, with one exception, there's no record of the Department of Justice prosecuting a former president or vice president for mishandling classified documents from his own administration. The exception is former President Trump. Literally, Hitler. I added that part. It's not our role to assess the criminal charges pending against Mr. Trump, but several material distinctions between Mr. Trump's case and Mr. Biden's are clear. Unlike the evidence involving Mr. Biden, the allegations set forth in the indictment of Mr. Trump, if proven, would present serious aggravating facts. The allegation is this, that President Trump refused to to cooperate. Well, except... Before relocating offices to New Jersey, he, in fact, said to the DOJ, come and have a look. Come and look around. Then there's this. And we'll get to this later in the week with actual audio proving that even Chuck Schumer knew this to be the case. President Trump did declassify a lot of what they said he wasn't allowed to have. Biden couldn't do that. 
because Senator Biden was not to have classified materials. He couldn't declassify. He stole them as senator. He stole them as vice president. And he knew in both instances that he had done that. President Trump's claim has been he declassified them and therefore could have access to them. So what do we make of this? I go from the ground up. We either have laws or we don't. A lawless nation is a broken nation and it will descend into violence. It has to. Because when it's lawlessness, what are you really talking about? Well, the law is whoever has the most guns. That's the law. Show me the law. Okay, how many guns do you have? How willing are you you to use them? That's what law becomes. That's ungodly. God tells the powerful, people who have been given the privilege of power, do not lord it over others. I go one level up from that to us. We're never going to have the perfect human king. Even David, a man after God's heart, fell. Even he fell short of the glory of God. We all do. So we had best stop expecting President Trump to rescue us He's not going to. God can work through President Trump in mighty ways, such as exposing what the deep state is willing to do to maintain divide and conquer, to maintain being able to pour what I originally said six months ago is coming true, $200 billion into Ukraine. Mitch McConnell and Republicans with Democrats right now have passed a bill out of the Senate that could be the ground that could cause President Trump to be impeached if he stopped pouring our money into one of the most corrupt countries in the world, Ukraine, they could impeach him for that. You're not supposed to be able to tie the hands of the next president with legislation. You're not supposed to be able to do that. But then again, in a post-law society, who cares? Power is who has the most power. The law is who has the most guns and is willing to use them. That's ungodly. Then I go a level up from there to the smaller circles of society, such as Department of Justice mainline workers, the cops, the FBI law enforcement officials, who are trying to be righteous people, and in fact probably are, but I must tell you, until you come and confess the truth about what the Department of Justice has become, you're not serving yourselves well because you are lying You're practicing lies. Now, perhaps you don't see it the way I do. And if your conscience tells you, no, no, things are fine. This is just a misunderstanding and this is just politics. If your conscience tells you that prayerfully, then I understand you and I differ. But if your conscience is eating at you the way I think it is, you have got to come out and confess. Otherwise, you practice lies. There's a difference between lapsing and telling a lie and then seeking repentance and truly, truly repenting of, of disappointing God and of making God sad. There's a difference between that and practicing lies. If you work at the FBI and DOJ and you see this for what it is, or at least what I contend it is, lying on behalf of corruption, you too lie while you remain silent. And I'll pray for you that you can come out of that. We'll come back with the Tower Babbling. This is the Disciples' View. I'm Todd Herman.
Welcome back to Disciples View. I'm Todd Herman. Lots to get to in this uh, closing segment here, including the uh, Tower of Babbling. Just to uh, want to touch back on what uh, the, the media would tell us is the top story. And it's the case of another woman who appears to have been um, fallen into the lie, the trap of transgenderism. I would contend probably an abused girl who became a depressed and anxious woman, probably spiritually captured, probably not walking with the Lord, looking for meaning, such as free Palestine on a rifle, therefore going into a church to attempt murder before someone took her life, thank God. And the correlations. There is a new article. It's a new piece of research actually in PubMed. And it contends to show a direct correlation, not, not, not a question of causation, a direct correlation between girls in the womb being exposed to chemicals called diethyl stilbestros, or DES, in high amounts, difficult to avoid in some cases, depending on where you get your food and where you live. High amounts of that with girls in the womb can result in gender confusion, which can become gender defiance. And of course, the inherent social contagion of school counselors saying to oftentimes autistic girls, hey, if you're uncomfortable around people, you're probably a boy. So there's the chemical poisoning. There's the spiritual and cognitive poisoning. And then we'll spend more time on this this week. Because as you know, I am no friend of pharma because I've seen what pharma does. I don't think there are friends. There is another study on the overprescription of antidepressants now being prescribed for things that have nothing to do with depression. After all, there's money to be made. It's gone from a $23 billion market to a $32 billion market since 2022. Now 2024 looks like a $32 billion market for pushing antidepressants. One in eight Americans are on these. And... There is a direct correlation to increased suicide risk. Says so on the pills. Says so. May cause suicidal ideation. May cause homicidal ideation. Says so on the pills. Well, the wrapping. Are people getting informed consent? We'll talk about that later this week. We'll also talk about the fact that there's yet another peer-reviewed study this time showing again that the modified RNA injections, the COVID shots, some people still call vaccines, has caused more death than they've saved. I've been talking about that for three years, but this is yet another study to back that up. One more thing before we get to the Tower babbling. You're familiar with the fact that people like Chris Wallace on, um, on, on um, MSNBC has said that Tucker Carlson was a... Um, was a lapdog, lapdog to Putin. Well, the Mockingbird media were in fact outraged that Tucker Carlson was what Wallace called a puppy dog of Putin. But have they ever seen their own reports about Zelensky? As a human being, so many people look up to you. They rely on you. No one can imagine how hard that is. Do you do, you do anything for your to yourself? Are you ever able to take a minute to... She's walking through the uh, trees. Or to listen to music or something to sort of give yourself that uh, a moment. I have such moments, important, to be in silence, to be alone. And early, early in the morning, 
when there are no sounds, sounds, no people, no, no, nobody. I mean, the people, people, our staff. I mean, no, nobody is is in my cabinet. Nobody. I can just read, think, think, and the music helps, really. What music do you like? Oh, I like ACDC. ACDC. I don't understand all the words <laughs> because of. But you like the music. So, yeah, I like energy. Maybe it's. It's too old music for. I understand. We're all the same. <laughs> We're all the same. <laughs> I love it. No, no. It's it's important to have some some sometimes at six seven in the morning some okay. some training. I can't take it anymore. Let's wind that down. Can you take it? Watching the video is sickening. It truly at any time I expect Zelensky to turn to the CNN host and say, "Incidentally, my wife doesn't understand me, but you seem to." And for her to go, I know. On this program, we thank the Lord for placing the supposedly wise on tall towers of shaking sand with our feature called The Tower of Babbling. You know about the biblical truth of the Tower of Babel. A Disciple's View presents America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him in uh, foot. <laughs> the Tower of Babbling. But just not those single words. In the Tower of Babylon, we take three sound bites that contend to show that God does place powerful human beings on big stages so we can look up there and go, wow, they're not all that smart. I think it's because they choose their wisdom over God's. First sound clap today, sound bite. Senator Chris Murphy confirms what the Senate Democrats really care about. The negotiation didn't have a path to citizenship. It was entirely on their terms in order to get Ukraine funding, right? Well, I mean, Chris, that's been a failed play for 20 years. So you are right that that has been the Democratic strategy for 30 years, maybe. uh, And it has failed to deliver for the people we care about most, the undocumented Americans that are in this country. This is also not 2013 any longer when we ran that play last. The people we care about most, the undocumented Americans, meaning they're not Americans, because <laughs> they lack documentation because they're probably using fake IDs. There is a phrase in Washington, D.C. called a Kinsley gaffe. Michael Kinsley, really nice man, leftist, but really nice man. Uh, he made that up. That's when a politician accidentally tells the truth, as Chris Murphy just did there. After all, the Democrats are pursuing a one-party rule with a thousand-year change to the electoral makeup of the country with mass illegal immigration. Second soundbite in today's Tower Babbling, Peter Ducey makes a great point about the two mentally unfit to prosecute figurehead. Thank you, Green. If the special counsel says President Biden has got significant limitations on his memory, then who is helping him run the country? The president of the United States runs the country. The commander in chief runs the country. How can he be trusted with the nuclear codes if I I get that you're saying that uh, nobody in the building would say that he's got an issue with his memory. But just the little part of what we get to see, he's made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake on camera this week. So I want to be very clear here. Um, the reality is that report, that part of the report, does not live in reality. It just doesn't. So the special counsel it is, is it, lying it about is, the president's it is, memory. It is. It is. It was gratuitous. You heard from my. You heard from Ian Sam's, my colleague. 
Uh, it is unacceptable, and it does not live in reality. That is just the facts. And, and look, it is a closed case. That is what the special counsel said. And what matters is here is that the president in the last three years has delivered on the economy, has delivered <laughs> on health care, has turned this country around after the last president left us with an economy that was in a tailspin. That's what we were dealing with. That's what we were dealing with. Oh, I can't stop. But I, I don't know if my mic was up and that you were just, I was bothering you with laughter, but my goodness, the gaslighting. Last clip in today's Tower Babbling, a woman on Twitter provides us the template for every Cammie Harris speech. We are here today at this prestigious insert location to talk with people. <laughs> okay. People in uniform, people in suits, people in t-shirts, people in dresses, and all of these people are here today together, okay? Because we want to be unburdened by the things that have burdened us in the past and in the present and perhaps even in the future. And as I look around, I see the sun is shining and I see that there are trees over there and there is ground beneath us and <laughs> I have hands and they are clapping. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's well done. It's well done. That was not Kamala Harris. That was a woman imitating her. That's well done. And that's a wrap for today's Tower of Babbling. That was the Tower of Babbling. I love Venn diagrams. I really just love Venn diagrams. On a Disciple's View. We usually wrap the show up with a personal observation, and uh, so we will today, but it will be in response to an email that a very, very aware listener just sent at AFR.net, Sarah wrote, hello, do you know where I could find the sources for the statistics that the hosts of your show are quoting? For example, on The Disciples' View, Todd Herman quoted that 90% of transgender people, pause, there's no such thing as a transgender person. No one has ever been born in the wrong body. So that quoted that 90% of people who think they're transgender were sexually abused as children. This is the show for today, 212. Where is the source for the statistic? Where can I go find it? I did a search on the internet and could not find a source that said anything even similar. Not shocking, but still. I would like to read and possibly use his sources. It would be helpful if hosts on the show would say where they get their research from and how someone else can go read what he is saying. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah, thanks for the note. Appreciate it. I don't believe that's what I said. I was referring to, and if I did... I should have been more careful. What I was referring to was girls. I know I said that. And I was referring to people in, in, um, in treatment facilities who identify as transgender, which doesn't happen. No one's been born in the wrong body. Number one, where did I get that statistic? From a large number of therapists I asked because we spent three years in that world. And it was a consistent statement I heard from therapists that 90% of girls in treatment centers who were fronting as boys had been sexually assaulted. Now, on that topic, you can certainly go to some of the following sources. Parents for Ethical Treatment. Okay, that's a great, fantastic source. They have Facebook pages. They have, a, um, they have their own website. And they amass much of the reports on that and up to and including sexual assault. You can go to the Women's uh, Liberation Front, WOLF. 
they not only categorize the assaults that lead to this. Now, understand they're a very leftist group. They openly, openly dislike men. I've tried countless times to get them on various programs for their work based on this. But they also track the history of sexual assault and girls who later want to pretend to be boys. You can read books like When Harry Became Sally that talks about this. Irreversible Damage talks about this. And now I should start maybe doing this here, Sarah. This is a good suggestion. Um, For my podcast, which I do uh, every weekday, I do two and a half hours of new material every weekday with God at the center and conservative politics at the edges. I publish something called my show sheet. Now last, about two weeks ago, I talked through a report that ironically came from the human rights campaign. The human rights campaign is a vitally evil group, horrible evil is done through them. There were, they're peopled by billionaires, one of whom is a known pedophile, literally known pedophile. And they worked through back channel to get this stuff installed, the transgender lie, through human rights commissions and libraries and, and school districts. They published a report that showed the number of comorbid factors that people have who identify as so-called transgender, and they run the, the, they run the range from bipolar to, um, to schizophrenic to deeply depressed and contain many of the data points I talked about with abuse, have suffered abuse. So there's a ton of sources that do that. My specific source in that case was looking in the eyes of therapists, multiple therapists. As I said, how prevalent is this? Do you want to know what's changed? When I talk to these therapists about these girls who are fronting as boys, you know what girls used to do? if they'd been sexually assaulted, they used to become, not all of them, but many of them, used to become sexual aggressors. Instead of being a victim, they would become the aggressor. They would become aggressively sexually active, openly so, bragging about it, making a point of showing it off, being as extreme as they could be sexually in an attempt to seize control over their own sexuality. What these therapists told me is when girls come into treatment centers fronting as boys, it's another way to do this. Now, in the case of girls in previous decades who became really, really sexually active in an attempt to seize control over their sexuality, they suffered irreparable harm psychologically. And some of them ended up with STDs. That can be mitigated. STDs can be mitigated. The psychological harm can be mitigated from being too sexually active. That can all be mitigated. God, you can take that to the cross. You can take it to the cross and he's anxious to forgive and to wash us all. The mutilated bodies, they can't be taken to the cross. The souls can, the mistakes can, the lies can, but the bodies cannot be reversed. The glorified bodies can be. If you gave into that lie and you were mutilated, you will one day have a glorified body. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Because we believe, we speak, because He first loved us, we speak His Word. We walk in the path of Jesus to make disciples of all nations. Until we speak again, may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding rest upon you and your families. On behalf of AFR, I'm Todd Herman, and this has been A Disciple's View.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.